You're listening to the Sex and Psychology Podcast, the sex ed you never got in school and won't get anywhere else. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lee Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Year in and year out, MILF remains one of the most searched for terms on popular porn websites. In fact, last year alone, it was the third most popular search on Pornhub. Likewise, if you search for MILF in the book section on Amazon, you'll encounter more than 30,000 titles. Clearly, the MILF holds a lot of appeal to a lot of guys. So why is that? Why are there so many heterosexual guys who are drawn to hot, middle-aged moms? Well, let's talk about it. In the previous episode, we talked a bit about why older women are drawn to younger guys. So in this show, we're going to explore the opposite, why younger guys are often drawn to older women and what's so arousing to them about MILF figures. We're also going to dive a little further into the popular dumpster fire of a television series titled MILF Manor, and we're going to discuss why you can make a show about older women seeking younger guys, but you could never make a show today about older guys seeking younger women. Consider that your warning. There are spoilers ahead. So if you want to watch MILF Manor first, go check it out and come back. We'll be here. I am joined once again by Ashley Weller, a human sexuality and health psychology professor at Chapman University in Southern California. Ashley also works in mental health clinical research and has more than 15 years of experience in sex education. She also has a podcast called What's Your Position, which tackles issues surrounding sexuality, relationships, life, and love from a comedic yet educational point of view. This is going to be another very fun and very fascinating conversation. Stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. We all know that there are a lot of problems with traditional sex education, but one of the biggest is that the topic of women's pleasure is almost completely neglected. It's something people often have to learn about all on their own. So to make things easier, there's a wonderful resource I can recommend called Beducated. They have an extensive library of courses you can take at your own pace in the comfort of your own home. They have some fantastic courses on women's pleasure that will teach you what you need to know about the female orgasm, the G-spot, oral pleasure techniques, and so much more. These courses are ideal for women and anyone who loves women. Try them all today for free, and if you like what you see, you can get 40% off the yearly pass by using my last name, Laymiller, as the coupon code. There's also a 14-day money-back guarantee. Check the show notes for the link and be sure to use my last name to get your discount. Enjoy. In today's increasingly digital world, it's more important than ever to understand the intersection between sex and technology, and also to preserve our rights and privacy. For a deep dive into these issues and more, attend this year's Securing Sexuality Conference, which will be held October 19th and 20th in Detroit, Michigan. This event will bring together hundreds of sex therapists, IT security professionals, medical providers, researchers, and advocates. Securing Sexuality is the premier conference for people who are passionate about promoting sex-positive, science-based, and secure interpersonal relationships. Attendees will come away with a deeper understanding of and appreciation for the challenges and solutions to building healthy relationships against the backdrop of emerging technologies, while also cultivating a meaningful global community of colleagues. Continuing education credits are available for qualified professionals. 
Check the show notes for the link or purchase your pass to the Securing Sexuality conference today at securingsexuality.com. That's securingsexuality.com. Okay, Ashley, let's dive a bit further into MILF Manor. Uh, can we? <laughs> <laughs> now, last time we focused a bit more on the moms, so this time focus a little bit more on the sons. Okay. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about the appeal of the MILF. You know, why are so many young guys drawn to older women in the first place? Now, I actually wrote an article on the subject for Playboy a few years back. Fun fact, I used to be a Playboy columnist. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy. And, you know, writing this big article about MILFs was one of the first pieces I wrote for them. And it was so popular that it's actually mentioned on the MILF Wikipedia page. Like, if you just do a general Wikipedia oh search for MILF, they reference my Playboy article on there. Career highlight, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> um, absolutely a career highlight. I can't wait to read it. Oh, my God. So I'll share a little bit of that with you. But first, let me get your take. Why do young guys find MILFs to be so hot? I think there's a few things that we could turn to as far as the reasonings behind it. Um, first is the taboo, right? It's this hot idea that you're going to seduce your friend's mom, a la Stifler's mom. Moms have more experience. They have life experience. For some reason, everybody seems to think that hot moms have had so much sex that they are just oozing with education about it um, and that they know how to make guys have orgasms and they know exactly how to pleasure themselves. So I think there's a lot of fairy tale kind of ideals surrounding what a MILF is and what she stands for. There are a lot of younger men who I think enjoy the idea of being dominated I think that that is a really big uh, fantasy for a lot of young men. And who better to dominate you than a mommy figure, someone who can um, tell you what to do, tell you you're a good boy. Men have praise kinks too, just like women do. So there are plenty of younger guys who want to hear praise and recognition from older women. And then older women are hot. Like, the fuck? Older women are <laughs> sexy. We do have a lot of experience, not just in the bedroom, but in life in general. And as you age, you give less fucks. And so there is more opportunity for you to embrace who you are, know your self-worth, um, know what you want out of life. You may have already done the marriage, the kids, the whole at-home nuclear family thing, and now you're really just looking for sexual satisfaction, sexual gratification. And it's enticing for a young man to say that he's been with an older woman. Somehow you did not mention the Freudian explanation in there. I hate, okay, I'm sorry. I don't like Freud, and I try not to mention him anytime I have the opportunity. I intentionally don't mention that man, so thanks a lot. Sorry. Well, you know, Freud would have had a lot to say about this show. I know. Specifically that, like, you know, these guys have unresolved Oedipus complexes and, sure. you know, they're transferring this uh, attraction that supposedly all young boys initially have to their moms onto their, you know, these other older women. And, like, I, I don't know. If maybe some psychoanalysts would still subscribe to that, but I think it has a lot more to do with the other things you were talking about. 
One of the lines in MILF Manor that I specifically wrote down to yell at you was <laughs> when Kelly said to her son, who had requested she put the boys away, a.k.a. her triple K, I think is what she said, boobs, put the boys away. She did what I just did with my hair. She flipped her hair back and she said, you didn't mind it when you were sucking on them as a baby. And I thought to myself, (laughs) what sort of Oedipus bullshit am I watching right now? So I did have the Oedipus thought, but I felt like that's just low hanging fruit, Justin. That's such an easy thing to go for. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, I think a lot of it does have to do with stuff that's come out in my research on sexual fantasies where, you know, guys have a lot more in the way of submission fantasies than Mm -hmm. you might think. And when you look at MILF-themed porn, you know, it's all about dominance and submission in a lot of cases with the woman is the older, experienced teacher uh, who is taking on a more dominant role and is initiating sex. You know, I saw a paper a couple years back that was a whole content analysis of MILF porn. Like someone like (laughs) literally sat down and watched hundreds of hours of MILF porn in the name of science and, you know, coded the roles that people took. And I love it. You know, thank you for your contributions. Thank Um, you for your contribution (laughs) to science. But, you know, it, it shows like there's this idea of MILFs in porn. And I think that a lot of men that's kind of where the appeal is, is in that Mm -hmm. dominant submission aspect. But, you know, when I wrote that article for Playboy, I interviewed Dr. David Lay, who's also a former guest on the podcast, and asked him, you know, what are your thoughts as a sex therapist on this subject? And his theory is really that, you know, a lot of men really want to give women pleasure, but a lot of men really don't know how to give women pleasure. And so for a younger guy who's with an older woman, who's probably, you know, more confident and knows what brings her pleasure, he can be more assured of giving her pleasure because she can guide him effectively. Uh, Because there are a lot of younger women who just, they don't know what gives them pleasure because they've not been encouraged to explore that and haven't been given the education and other things that would kind of normalize female self-pleasure. Or they don't feel comfortable speaking up in that relationship. If a younger woman knows how to please herself and she's in a relationship with a younger man, she may not feel that she is able to express what makes her come or what turns her on. Whereas an older woman probably doesn't even think twice about saying, uh, you are in my belly button. I'm going to need you to go down about two and a half. Let me just move your head. Stop moving. I'll move (laughs) it for you and do the things for you. Explain it, show it. I think that that's a big part of the fantasy though, too, is that I'm going to be with this older woman. She's going to show me where the clitoris is and I'm going to be able to give women orgasms forever. I'm going to find the fountain of youth in this milf. It's perfect. I think that we also need to give credit to some of the women who are older who still have no idea where their clitoris is. And they're going to younger guys hoping for something different that might change their orgasmic outcome. I'm going to coin that phrase, orgasmic (laughs) outcome. That is a new phrase that I am now coining. (laughs) I love it. Now, you know, since we're talking about MILFs, like this 
even this term MILF, like yeah. what the fuck does it mean? And does it really have anything to do with the fact that this woman is a mother? Like when people describe someone as a MILF, is that more about like age and confidence? You know, what even mm. counts as a MILF? Mm. Because if you look at MILF porn, like there's highly very high variability in terms of age and appearance. And you don't know if that person's a mother or not. And they don't even have any reference. It's like, oh, so how do you know how have they had? Do you are you asking them? Are you looking for their episiotomy scar? I like, how do you know that they're MILFs? <laughs> I think that we have taken a term that's easy to say, MILF is easy. And when you say it, you automatically think Stifler's mom. And you know exactly the person you're thinking of. And I think that the term is broadly and blanket applied. I think there's another term that we use sometimes too, which I don't necessarily think is very appropriate, but when we call people cougars, mm-hmm. meaning that they are searching for prey, I think that puts a bad taste in people's mouth too, because these women aren't searching for prey. They're searching for people who they can have a sexual relationship with, have a romantic relationship with, with, have an intellectual relationship with, have all three. And I feel like we are focusing on just the idea that this woman is older. And in our society, we assume any heterosexual female is a mom. I deal with this on a hourly basis. I'm 41 years old. I do not have children and I don't ever want them. They are snot rockets and I'm good. (laughs) And people always assume I'm a mother. And it's not because I have pictures of children. I have nieces and nephews, but they don't go on my wall. I, I travel. That goes on my wall. People assume I'm a mother because I take charge of situations, because I have experience in certain areas and certain fields, because I'm a teacher. Um, I think that this idea of dominance and this idea of leadership, we associate as a society, the only way women learn how to do that is by being a mother. And so we give this title of MILF to any woman who is sexual and shows dominance because we assume that the only reason she knows how to have sex is because she's had it because she has kids. And the only reason she knows what she's doing is because she's raised children. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Apparently you're giving off some some kind of MILF energy. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm the first one you thought of. I'm fine. That's fine. People want to think I'm a will. I am a MILF. I am the mother you want to fuck. Get over here. Let's go. Come on. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the term cougar, right? So once upon a time, it was much more stigmatized for an older woman to date a younger man. And that you didn't have to go back far in recent memory to do that. And cougar was a term that was often applied where there was kind of like this predatory nature behind it, right? Mm. Now, something I could not help but think about the entire time I was watching this show was how you could never create a parallel version of Milf Island with a bunch of dads dating other people's daughters and feeling them up and like all this other stuff. I thought the same thing! The sheer outrage that would happen if you just flipped the genders in this scenario, I can't imagine it. And it's funny because it actually used to be more socially accepted for older guys to date younger women than the reverse. But in the last few years, that double standard has completely reversed. And now older guys dating younger women are increasingly seen as creepy, predatory, and exploitative. They're labeled groomers sometimes because they see this lopsided power differential 
as necessarily coming along with that big age difference. And they almost see the younger women in those relationships as victims. But you don't see the same thing with older women and younger guys. And in fact, the popular media tends to celebrate these relationships and calls them empowering for women. The younger guys are seen as like lucky studs, not as victims. So yeah, did you think about this as well? What's your take? Okay, (laughs) this blew my mind. This was the first thing I thought of. This was what I did all of my research on was why 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 we have such anger towards these people who are engaging in age gap relationships. And so much of the research has been done on older men and younger women. And this comes from an evolutionary standpoint, especially when you go back to Victorian times when women couldn't have jobs or pockets, you know, or a credit card, and we needed to be taken care of. So we went from our father's home to our husband's home. And so the age gap way back when was 10 years plus for like 80% of the population. And that's because these people were having children and dying in childbirth. So a 40-year-old man who had a bride of 30 and she died in childbirth, well, now he needs another bride because he wants to create more lineage and carry on his family name. So he could take any age he wanted. And that is predatory. That is a power dynamic. Nowadays, we look at people like George Clooney, who married someone 20 years his junior. Or we look at Emmanuel Macron, who's the uh, prime minister of France, whose wife is 20 years his senior. And we think to ourselves, why are they doing this? Hugh Jackman's wife is 20 years his senior. And Zach Braff, who is in his his late 50s, early or late 40s, early 50s, dated, um, oh, her name, uh, uh, Pugh. Oh, gosh, she was just an Oppenheimer, which was so good. And they got so much backlash and so much critiquing for their relationship that they ended up breaking up because the pressure was so great. I feel like when we place this idea of victimhood on the younger individual, not only are we taking away their autonomy, we are taking away their ability to say, I'm mature enough to be in this relationship. I chose this relationship. I am getting something from this relationship. And we still sit here and say, you're a victim. You're 27. A 40-year-old person shouldn't be attracted to you. Why not? Who made these rules? I think when we get into the age gaps where someone could be someone else's mom or dad, I think that's probably where the ick factor comes in for a lot of people. But we need to give some sort of ownership to these young people who are choosing to be in these relationships with someone who can teach them something or with someone who wants to have children or with someone who doesn't, someone who wants to take adventures with someone who doesn't. I mean, there are so many reasons people get into age gap relationships. And if they are working their process and they aren't feeling coerced or compromised in their relationship, who the fuck are we to judge? Yeah, you know, and this gets at what I think is a really interesting question, which is, what does it mean to have power in a relationship? Like, how do you define power? And for a lot of people, increasingly in recent years, especially in the Me Too era, a lot of people seem to equate 
age with power, like specifically older age. And what I think is really interesting about this is like, there's a lot of power in youth and beauty and attractiveness. And it's like, these are, we're just talking about different kinds of power here. And like, why is it assumed that older age necessarily means you have so much power over another person? Like it just never quite added up to me. I think that we are just a bundle of contradictions when it oh, yeah. comes to a sex. A swirling and mass of just, contradictions. Just a mass of it because we want this smooth skin and we want to idealize women who are not wrinkled and we want to idealize men who have money and we want to idealize everyone who wants to have sex but don't want to have too much sex because that makes you a man whore or a whore in general and don't want to have sex with multiple people. Have we ever stopped to consider that these individuals who are like, I'm going to use Leonardo DiCaprio to hot take. I was going to bring him up. (laughs) I'm going to use this gentleman as a, as an example, he enjoys the company of people of a certain age and they seem to enjoy his company. I have loved Leonardo DiCaprio since I was like 12 years old. So I would date the fuck out of Leonardo DiCaprio and I don't want to marry him. Have we stopped to think that maybe these individuals in this relationship have an agreement and an understanding that they don't want long term? I don't want to get married. I don't want to be in a heteronormative, monogamy-based relationship. And they've had these conversations ahead of time. We are looking at this from a lens of, oh, this poor 24-year-old who clearly wants to get married and have babies is being dumped by Leonardo because she's 25. No, It could be that this 24-year-old wants to get married and have babies, and Leonardo doesn't. So she says, bye, and that's the power in the relationship. I want to get married and have babies. You don't. I'm out. See you later. I don't know why we continue to focus on the power is the age when the power is so different. And the power shifts in every relationship, in every dynamic. Whoever's in a depressive state, whoever's in a low libido state, whoever's in a state of maybe not making enough money, those people are always going to sink to the bottom of the power dynamic in a relationship. It's how that relationship works through those power dynamics that matter. And those things aren't splashed all over the news of the tabloids. Those are the nitty gritty parts of a relationship that no one gives a fuck about. You know how I define power in relationships? Tell me. <laughs> okay. So at a conference recently, I, you know, I was sitting around a table with a group of people and I asked them, you know, how do you define power in a relationship? It was so interesting to hear all of their answers. You know, some people are talking about money. Some people are talking about this or that or whatever. And it got to me and I'm like, all right. So the way I define power in a relationship is that the person with the most power is the person who needs the relationship the least, right? Or the person who has the least interest in the relationship. This is actually something in social psychology that's called the principle of least interest. And ever since I heard it, I just found it to be totally fascinating. And it makes sense to me that like, if you don't need the relationship as much as the other person, that's what gives you the power in that relationship. Yeah, if you don't need this relationship, like if I needed to have shelter, if I needed food, if I needed children, clearly 
there would be a male person in the Victorian era who would give me that power. But as we shift in this paradigm and social constructs and social norms, men and women share a lot of the finances. They share a lot of the sexual uh, libidos and desires. And a lot more relationships are becoming equal as far as, hey, I just want to be in this for fun. I just want to be in this until I'm done. We tend to demonize the end of relationships when I think we should be celebrating them. Mm -hmm. When a relationship ends, that's great. You get to go do something else. Like (laughs) you get to go find more things and more people to do. And you've realized that the end of something has occurred and you have the wherewithal to say, I'm done. And that to me is an expression of power as well. I don't need this relationship anymore. I'm over it. I'm going to go find another one, right? Yep. Power can mean different things and short-term relationships can be just as meaningful and impactful as longer-term relationships. Now, I also appreciated what you were saying earlier about like, let's stop judging the fuck out of everybody for their relationship choices. But we can judge a reality show. (laughs) That's a raging dumpster fire. (laughs) I will judge the fuck out of a reality show. So, all right, getting back to MILF Manor, you know, we talked about some of the wacky stuff on that show extensively in the last episode. But, you know, so every week on the show, there was this new challenge. And one of them that was kind of interesting was like there was this sex education challenge i know yeah so the moms and sons kind of had to give each other sex education some of them clearly weren't very comfortable with the activity uh but it was kind of interesting to see like how mother and son like just talking about sex in general as adults like that was challenging for some of them made some of them like really uncomfortable and i think it just highlights how taboo the subject is and you know if it's that hard for adults to talk about this just imagine like you know parent oh, and man. child or teen like it's really hard there was stephanie or steffi i think is her name and her son was brian who again i'm gonna say i feel like that poor man was there against his better judgment and against who he prefers in life i think he did not want to be there, did not want to be dating women, older women or younger women. I think poor Billy was forced to be there because his mom was young and hot and he got paid. End of story. But when they started talking about sex education, Stephanie started talking about how no one should ever talk about sex in the home. No one should talk about it in our schools. We should not be discussing sex ever. And I found that to be prolific. You're on a reality show where the premise is you getting fucked by a younger guy. But you don't think that you should be having a conversation with your child about sex education. That's fascinating. That's fascinating to me. I think that that is the tone for pretty much all of America right now. We are all horny. We all want to watch porn, as is the statistics in the last Pornhub release of information. We all want pleasure. But how dare we talk about how to do that in a healthy way? Yeah. How dare we? (laughs) How dare we? 
And, you know, wasn't she also the one who mentioned God all the time and who said that, like, I'm here to do, like, to follow God's path for me? You ready for this? Yeah. Stop talking about God's plan. God did not pluck, God did not fucking plan Milf Manor. <laughs> Stop talking about God's plan. Stop it. He did not intend for you to go on a dating show and have sex with multiple people on this dating show. That was not part of God's plan. And then at the end, when she got with the guy and, and she was like, she got with Gabriel, who looked like Johnny Rotten's son from the Sex Pistols, for anyone who's, you know, under the age of 35. Um, he wore plaid. The whole He was like somebody I would go to, like, uh, an MXPX show with. He looked like a punk out of, like, 1980. She got with this guy who clearly has, he has a devil star on his tattoo. And when she was like, I'm going to take him to my church, he said, I will burn up, hail Satan. <laughs> Did you not have a conversation about how religious you are? <laughs> Oh my God, that blew my mind. Yeah, it was such interesting dynamics. I guess, you know, MILF Manor makes for strange bedfellows. I guess. I actually thought it was very interesting, though, the dynamic between the sons themselves. So they had so many moments that were meaningful. I feel like a lot of them became good friends. Um, They had a lot of conversations about how they were feeling. A lot of guys came up to the kid who found out that his mom slept with his best friend. They had a lot of conversations about how the dates were going. They had more meaningful conversations than some of the couples did. And I thought that was super refreshing. Um, I also found it really interesting that a lot more of the guys seemed to be more fluid in their sexuality and more fluid in their gender identity than I think the moms were prepared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely interesting. And I think, you know, just like looking at the whole overall dynamics here, it's kind of surprising that based on popular stereotypes, you might have expected that there would be a lot of competition among the men on this show, but there wasn't. Like there was a lot more camaraderie and there was a lot more competition amongst the women in terms of like dating each other. The only real conflict that emerged between the guys was when I think Ryan and Gabriel were both Mm -hmm. interested in seeing the same woman. And like Ryan actually like called his mother in at one point to like back up. And I'm like, oh, this is so weird that you're going to like. That was really weird. And I get it. Like Stephanie had said to Ryan, oh, I only see Gabriel as a friend and I see you more as a romantic partner. And then they had to pick someone and she picked Gabriel. And I think he was just kind of like, mom, what do I do? This sucks. Like she told me one thing and then this thing happened and maybe he brought her in for like drama on the television (laughs) show, but it kind of was like, it wasn't something that lasted a very long time. The the drama itself felt like it was blown over by the next episode. And so I agree with you. I think the camaraderie among the guys was way, way better than any real world road rules bachelor, bachelorette that I've ever seen. They were all buds. And when a couple of them didn't get chosen to move to like the final episode, they were very emotional very in touch with their emotions and all the guys kind of hugged them and stuck around them and made sure that they felt okay before they left. And it was a very interesting swap 
But going back to what you said in the previous episode, when younger men date older women, the whole masculinity, femininity script gets flipped. And so I wonder if that played a role at all. Yeah, it may very well have. I think there's definitely studies <laughs> to yeah. be done here. Not, not not necessarily like studies of MILF Manor, but you I know, mean, more st- <laughs> whoever watched a hundred hours of MILF porn, maybe they could watch a hundred <laughs> hours of MILF Manor and do a follow-up study. <laughs> maybe they could. Yeah, there was there was a lot going on here. And I, I thought like as a social psychologist, this is a fascinating I won't call it a natural experiment because reality TV is unnatural and we we don't know what we didn't see. We only saw what the producers wanted us to see. So yeah, you always have to take reality TV with a grain of salt. But so, you know, Ashley, after watching MILF Manor, sorry that I did this to you. <laughs> what did you take away from it? Like, what was the overall experience like? Are you glad you did it or not? <laughs> Okay. So I am on a couple, I am and I'm not. So first of all, it was a horrible piece of television that (laughs) needs to go into the depths and be gone forever. The people they picked had zero TV presence. They were bad actors (laughs) and I have a hard time with bad writing. So having said that, I did find it super refreshing to show a dating show about a population of people that we don't get to see very often. I've thought it for a long time um, there should be a, a bachelor or a bachelorette that's in the LGBTQ world. Yeah. I don't know why we aren't doing this. That would be huge. I Most of the individuals that I know who watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette are in the LGBTQ population. So adding a character who is in that world, even if the individual identified as queer or bisexual or non-binary, and you could include multiple genders into that Bachelor or Bachelorette. I think that this is a really great stepping stone as far as reality dating shows are concerned. I haven't heard of anything like this before. I do find it interesting that we absolutely could not have flipped this script and done older men, younger women. First of all, because that would be like doing a reality show about McDonald's. Everyone goes there. Everyone knows what it's like. We've all seen this. It's boring. And also, there's so much controversy since the Me Too movement and since we all know that the power would exist in that older man, nobody wants to see an older man seduce a younger woman. That's why you don't see a lot of DILF porn. There's a lot of gay DILF porn. <laughs> <laughs> Is there really? Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, and there's also a lot more individuals, uh, male relationships that have age gaps in their relationships. So that makes sense to me. I think that this show really highlighted the fact that Individuals can be sexual and be romantic and have interests in people who are not within their age range, and it can work in that kind of dating setting. I don't really know what you want from a dating show. Like, I know maybe two or three people who have gone on from dating shows to stay married. I don't know what the ratio is, but I love the exposure. I think that it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> when you were talking about how we need more representation in these shows, you and I, we should make a show. We'll call it The Big Gay Bachelor. <laughs> yes, yes, please. The Big Gay Bachelor. 
big gay bachelor. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, instead of giving out roses, they can give out green carnations because that's what Oscar Wilde <laughs> used to give to people to show them that they could go to a club and that it was LGBTQ friendly. So they're going to give out green carnations. I'm already writing the show. Done. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I got to say, I rarely watch shows that deal with like sexuality and relationship Mm -hmm. issues because it's like I think about this and do this stuff like all day long was part of my job and so I like (laughs) want an escape like usually when I'm watching television but you know a few weeks back I was having a call with my co-managing editors of sex and psychology and they mentioned the show MILF Manor and I'm like what the fuck is that (laughs) and so I just I wrote it down and I'm like I've got to check this out because I've just never heard of anything like this before and I don't regret having watched it it was fascinating to me on so many levels again like I don't think a lot of it is real but it's something that I've never seen before that made me uncomfortable at times but also like <laughs> gave me things to think about so it, it's 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 worthwhile in the sense that it's a dumpster fire of a show you can't look away you get sucked in <laughs> I tried to look away I o- I only watched two episodes and I was like I'm not doing this like I'm not I think I messaged you on Instagram and I was like what have you done like what have you asked me to do as a social psychologist, this has to be absolutely fascinating for you. As a human sexuality professor, I feel like this was such an amazing show to promote sexuality for all. Because someone turns a specific age doesn't mean their desire gets turned off. It means that society has deemed them unworthy of sexiness. We tend to idealize these older men and call them daddies and and think that they can give us money and, you know, take care of us. We don't do the same to women. And we tend to look down on women as they age because of gravity, um, because of wrinkles, because not everybody wants to get plastic surgery or can get plastic surgery. And just because someone isn't sexually appealing to everyone and look like the poster child for sex doesn't mean that they still don't have desires. I think that this show could really be something if it dialed back the caricature a bit and focused more on the connections in the people and finding the same arousal palette between both people and really trying to create these connections and also more sex. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was just, it's striking for a show that was supposedly about sex and relationships. There was just so little of that. Where's the happening. humping? There was no humping. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on this MILF manner journey with me. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I'll go on a MILF journey with you anytime, Justin. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. We might have more coming up soon. We'll see. Big Gay Bachelor coming <laughs> yes. to a show near you. Absolutely. Coming soon. <laughs> well, as usual, Ashley, it was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work? 
I would love to. So you can find me most accessibly on Instagram at What's Your Position Podcast. I do have my own sex and relationship podcast called What's Your Position. We are everywhere you can get podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, Podbean, anywhere you can download podcasts. We're there. We just started season four. So check it out. Justin has been on two episodes uh, back (laughs) in season three. So go check those out if you need a little warm up and you want to hear a familiar, friendly voice. We are also readily available at Gmail at what's your position podcast at gmail.com. I love humans. I love questions. I actually had one of your listeners email me the other day, Justin, and I was so happy to, to get a little shout out and a reach out from them. So I am always willing to answer questions and talk to people. So thank you so much for always including me and, and bringing me on your show. It's so appreciated. Well, I love that. And thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates and be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.